This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 88 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Taylor. Happy to be joining you guys again. And I am joined today by the rest of the crew, David, Brady, and Jordan. Gentlemen, welcome back. It has been quite a few weeks since we talked. A lot has happened, a lot to talk about. But first, let's, uh, you know, get reacquainted, you know, get dip our toes back in. How are we feeling? I'll be the first one to say, I mean, I feel like this isn't good you know, journalism or whatever, but the offseason is just the bane of my existence and where some people are like, all right, there's a lot any games going on. So I've got these like two or three pet projects I want to write about or whatever. I'm just kind of like, OK, I'd, I'd like there to be games now. Like, I don't get that burning desire inside to, you know, churn content out. And so, you know, we're here. It's been a little over a month. Uh, we will be back from now on. And any role I played in us not being around last month, you know, I take my full on like, like, yes, I I'm a part of the problem there. But. It's been it's been nice. It's been it, we, we are, you know, in summer and it kind of feels summery. Last year was just a black hole of everything. And so it I don't know. I don't know how you guys have felt. How, how have you been taking on summer? Summer loses its luster, I think, a little after like high school when you're not getting like the summer vacation and all. But I feel like I got back to that a little bit this time. All I'm hearing is that Brady is the full person to blame for us not being here for the last month. <laughs> um, but jokes aside, uh, I'll be a contrarian to other people because I hate summer. Um, I'm doing good, by the way. I should probably say that. Um, you know, it's been a fun summer, I will admit, but I still hate summer. I can't do the heat. It's why I left Georgia. Um, you know, no disrespect to people who can do this guy deal out with here humidity. About Illinois summers right now. Um, the, the funny thing too is it's been great, except for the last two weeks, it's been kind of muggy. Um, but David, you know. it was one hundred and fifteen percent humidity outside. I do not want to hear anything from you right now about how muggy Chicago. Wouldn't one hundred fifteen percent humidity be like underwater? Exactly, like, Jordan. Okay, <laughs> that sounds off. Greetings from Bikini Bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Truthfully, that sounds terrible. I couldn't imagine Bikini that. Bottom that is Stone Mountain, Georgia, right now. <laughs> uh, it was like sixty degrees for like three straight weeks on like the weekend. You it better so stop nice. with that. You stop. Um, right. anyway, I'm gonna be like. <laughs> last week, I think. Yeah, last week it touched the nineties. And uh, I went to a like steak house that was the I went because they were playing jazz. Uh, so I went to, to just get like a couple of drinks um, and just walking from the train like half a mile. I was just like dripping in sweat and it was awful. But, you know, places have air conditioning, so it wasn't, you know, that bad. David, I mowed the lawn yesterday and lost six pounds in water weight. <laughs> <laughs> So oh, the walk ter- out to my car was so <laughs> that sounds terrible. On my way to having yeah. drinks somewhere. Also, oh, yeah. by the way, <laughs> I'm walking for a very leisurely activity and then going indoors again <laughs> in a state that we've established is just not as hot or humid as the state that you I've moved away from, you know. Real man of the hey, people, David Salmon. <laughs> hey, man, you know, you can't choose where you live, right? But I'm- um, yeah, I mean, it's been 
quite a few weeks. It's been a productive few weeks for all of us. You know, got some big things moving and shaking in in the background. Uh, I moved, uh, got a promotion at work, and now live in a new house, uh, which a much better recording setup to start getting back into the flow of things for Thursday night podcast. So, uh, Jordan, what about you? What have you been up to? Uh, just doing a whole lot of working, and I also moved, but that was before we stopped having podcast for six weeks but yeah just a whole lot of working a whole lot of doing some other stuff behind the scenes got some exciting stuff not related to thursday night and not really relevant to the podcast but it has been nice to have time to focus on some stuff but we are excited to get back in the flow of georgia state sports stuff before we get back into the flow of the newsy type things i do have one question from mike and marietta to throw up to brady specifically uh brady what has been your favorite mlb ballpark you have attended and what's next on your bucket list yes yes so we did have this question asked back in june we never got to it glad we're circling back around because you know i'll filibuster all day on baseball stadiums uh could talk about it more than most things uh that we talk about you know i for me i i don't really know if i can give a number one just because it's really hard to rank especially with where some of the positives are for some of them but my list in general at the top, you've got to include Dodger Stadium. It's one of the more incredible views in Chavez Ravine as you're looking out. And, you know, it's California. It's lovely weather. It's got all the uh, color coded seats and everything that makes a really nice layout. Um, but then you've also got to go to Wrigley with its history, the Ivy walls. And not to mention, they did some upgrading in the last decade there with the interiors and it's a really nice ballpark. It does not at all feel like it's, you know, pushing over a hundred, whatever, how many years it's at right now. And there's just so much history there. And you can think of how like Babe Ruth called his shot in that ballpark. Like that happened there and they're still playing in the same stadium. And, you know, I think maybe the, ones that i'm looking to get to next i don't have that many left to go i've gone to 19 of the current stadiums uh not to brag but to brag um i am not just saying this because i know that our listener is a mets fan but i have not been to either of the new york stadiums and so hitting those in philly in like the same trip is something doable that probably looking to do pretty soon just because that's three for the price of one and really manageable to do in like week week and a half time frame uh but yeah that's my uh that's my list of those things i'm still so sad that we didn't get a chance to do that last year damn you pandemic we did have plans to do that exact trip last year and it did not happen because travel did not happen what more could covid take from us um, I know I wasn't asked, but I do kind of want to. I, me of humble, what is it, five parks, six parks? Um, so I'm not anywhere near Brady yet. Um, but since the last time we recorded, I did get to one. I finally toured Wrigley Field, um, which was really cool. Um, they did not take us into the clubhouse, unfortunately, because of COVID. Um, and I, I believe I toured it. Really, I think there was like two, three days away from the Cubs and obviously a visiting team returning. Um, so, you know, they didn't want to deal with that, obviously. But, um, you know, being around the ballpark in more than just, uh, you know, the bleachers and actually being on the field for any amount of time and going in the dugout, you know, that's cool. That's fun. 
Um, and then I went to go see a game actually in Cincinnati. Um, and so that ballpark is a blast. There's a river um, right outside the right field fence. Um, and, you know, it's just a really beautiful area. So I was pleasantly surprised because I've heard things about their chili. And, you know, if you're doing those types of things to your chili, I'm not sure how you can have a redeeming city. But Cincinnati showed out, I will admit. So as far as getting back down to the nitty gritty of Georgia State relevant news today, uh, we're going to be talking about media day happenings for Sunbelt football, some coaching staff news for the football team and Sunbelt basketball action. Uh, the schedule just got released. We'll be breaking that down as well. We're also going to be diving into the flaming tangled holiday light situation that is the conference realignment and how that might affect Georgia State as well. But let's get right into some football media day action. Brady, can you break down kind of some of the stuff that we saw from Coach Elliott and the players that joined him uh, from Sunbelt Media Day? Yes. So it was Coach Elliott and Shamir Gilmore and Dante Wilson, who were Georgia State representatives. Everyone had their coach and two players go to the Sheraton in New Orleans. And it's the first big powwow of the year. Really feel like the start of football season. Uh, I just want to run through a couple of quotes here. Uh, that I was able to get as we were asking questions of the players and the coach. And the first thing I just got to say is that Coach Elliott has never been a man lacking in confidence, but there's a confidence. I don't even want to say it's like an arrogance, but just like a imbued idea that they know they have a good team that you could just feel from them. The coaches, you know, Coach Elliott and the players, you could just tell that they felt like this is supposed to be a good team and we feel like we're ready for the next step. And I thought that that was a particularly notable just takeaway from the whole thing. And so this is the one from coach Elliott that stood out to me is the, on the expectations of the season. He said five years ago, it was about let's build a winning mentality. Let's go win our full first bowl game. And now we're sitting up here and saying, Hey, let's go push for a Sunbelt championship. We feel like we have the talent. We feel like we have the players. I think our coaching staff is phenomenal, and I think we have the ability to go out and compete. And when I say compete, we can compete with the Louisianas, and we compete with the top-tier teams in the league, and we're ready to take that next step. We say start fast, finish strong. We're talking about finishing for a championship. We're going to go out and prepare each week and really take this next step. And he's always said variations, stuff like that. Since he's been here, the goals have always been that high preseason. But I don't know. It felt different to me listening to it. It felt like, as we've been saying, that there's a lot of belief that this could be the best team in Georgia State short history. You know, it it kind of sounds like he is using that experience with the last couple of years to really put some meaning behind those words. Um, you know, I obviously didn't, you know, partake in the media day festivities, you know, but when I see that quote and see, you know, the video afterwards, I don't know, like I echo your sentiments, you know, he, when he came in, he was like, yeah, you know, we, we're Georgia state, you know, we, we want to do these things. And, you know, every coach comes into a school and says they want to be the best. And, you know, they'd say, you know, we got to be faster, stronger, blah, 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 you know? And then, a couple of years go by and you realize like from top to bottom, Georgia state each year has improved in, in some way, you know, and you mentioned this could be the best Georgia state team 
that we've ever seen. And I, I, you know, as I sit here today, I would agree if we're, you know, we're not talking about injuries or anything like that. Um, and, you know, we can pick apart the schedule and why, you know, it being the best Georgia State team that might not necessarily mean they do end up hoisting the Sunbelt Trophy at the end of the year. But I don't think that listening to Coach Elliott's comments that deters me from thinking that they have they don't have a shot. They absolutely do have a shot. You know, it just these comments just seem different than they have in any year prior to this one. So a little bit more to talk about as far as Sunbelt Media Day and associated happenings. The Panthers were selected third in the East in the preseason poll behind co-leaders Coastal Carolina and App State. Additionally, Georgia State had 10 representatives on the all-conference preseason list with four first-teamers. A trio of seniors, running back Destin Coates, guard Shamarius Gilmore, and kicker Noel Ruiz were joined by junior wide receiver Sam Pinckney in earning the top marks on the first team. Senior tight end Roger Carter, wide receiver Cornelius McCoy, Defensive end Hardrick Willis, defensive lineman Dante Wilson, cornerback Quavian White, and sophomore safety Antavius Lane made up the Panthers' second team selections. So lots of good stuff there for the Panthers, definitely. So I think me and David collectively still think that, you know, guys like Malik Sumpner, uh, Malik Sumpner is going to get the respect at some point, whether it's like him getting drafted or whether he's going to be in a postseason list this year. I just I think the guy has been underrated as the center, as the guy kind of helping run that offensive line with Chimera Gilmore. But aside from like little like uh, we think this guy is a little better than and deserves some recognition. My takeaway from the lists with Georgia State having the second most selections in the conference is maybe at some point there was a respect deficit, shall we say, with Georgia State, where the team didn't have the respect necessarily that they should have had or wanted to have aspired to have. And that's not the thing anymore. You can tell that the conference knows that they've got players as evidenced by having 10 of them selected four on the first team uh, without having been able to go through all of the list. I am going to go ahead and guess four preseason first team. Some belt members is the most Georgia States had in any conference, but also since joining the Sun Belt, And you know, I think it wouldn't surprise any of us if we see yeah, all of those guys hold serve. Like Sam Pickney, I think, is one of the best receivers in the conference. Destin Coates, one of the best running backs. Samaris Gilmore, one of the best guards. And I don't know for my money if there is a better kicker in the league than Noel Ruiz. And so it felt like a lot of warranted people getting selected for spots. And I think we can, as we've been talking about, it's a good Georgia state team. And I don't think that there's a whole lot where they can go. Didn't put respect on the name. Like I think that they're getting their fair shake and they're all good as far as that is concerned. Absolutely. You know, and that's, I think there's like one guy who I could be like, you might have left him off and that's Blake Carroll. I think the linebackers at Georgia state are really good. Um, but also linebacker is an incredibly deep position in the Sun Belt. Like it's not it's not even a slight that he's not here just because that position in this conference is stacked right now. Um, so, you know, hopefully he can have another great season and then he'll find his way on the po- the uh, postseason list because there's just so much talent on both sides of the ball that we can have this conversation where 
you know, they've got the second most amount of selections in the conference and you could still say, okay, this guy could probably be on the list. This guy could probably be on the list. You know, that's exactly what you want to see. That's why it leads credence to, you know, your coach being like, yeah, we can probably compete for the Sunbelt championship. I mean, that's, I think app state and Louisiana led the conference last year in the preseason rankings. Both of those teams were good, you know? So. And we haven't even mentioned the quarterback position. Because, again, it's another position where the Sunbelt has some talent. I mean, Grayson McCall was all everything last year as a freshman quarterback, and he's back. And so he was obviously going to be the first team selection. But Quad Brown could be a guy who makes that leap and is pushing for being one of the best quarterbacks in the conference this year. And could it wouldn't be a omission that you look back and be like, oh, how could you not pick him? But I could definitely see him making that leap and I'll use another quote from the event to uh evidence that in that Shamarius Gilmore said on quad he said last year he was going to make rookie mistakes that's what he was but mentally quad has gotten 10 times better in my opinion he's just been in the film room he's staying and working with receivers coming to the offensive line trying to learn rotations learn wrinkles on rotations quad has just been phenomenal this offseason I just can't wait to see him play again and obviously every offensive lineman is going to stick up for their quarterback, but like just makes me excited to hear how excited they are to see what this guy can do in a sophomore campaign. You know, I, I know people love, you know, oh, this guy's a, you know, a film rat. He's a film rat. And, you know, I kind of make fun of myself for liking hearing that too. But I think that's one thing that's really important for quad because I, you know, I can't speak for anybody else here or anybody else who, you know, follows Georgia state football, but I can't, really say that last year his struggles were anything of the physical variety you know i think most quarterbacks have they struggle with that across the field um deep ball you know there were some throws that quad made that were excellent in that regard um i think there were some throws that he could have placed better of course obviously but i also love that he you know gilmore is talking up him being in like watching video, watching film, because that's where the majority of his mistakes were. You know, if he cleans up 10, 20, 30% of that, I mean, you know, you're talking about an incredible quarterback already, you know, something I also think that's worth noting is going back to how deep the rest of the, the roster is. I mean, senior running back, Dustin Coates and Sam Pinkney and Roger Carter and, uh, you know, all the other returning pieces on this team, including the entire offensive line, which cannot be overstated how the continuity is so important for the development of a player like quad to come in and have that sort of uh, comfortability, that confidence and the, the level of uh, kind of synergy that comes with playing with a group of guys like that. So consistently and having all of them come back and be that kind of an asset for him to continue his growth, I think is so, so important on top of the other, you know, returning pieces that he has to lean on as he continues to grow into this, uh, you know, the, the kind of player that we think that he can be. It's true. I mean, you wouldn't want to say, oh, a young quarterback's going to need to re- like lean on, have a security blanket of the guys. But, you know, there's definitely been circumstances in the past at other schools where you've seen young quarterbacks lose a key guy in going into the next year or whatever losing a key contributor, whether they're going freshman to sophomore, sophomore, junior, or whatever, and take a step back because they lose that guy. And that isn't happening here. Quad is getting literally everyone back. Everyone who started last year on the offense is back. And so 
that isn't going to be a factor for him. He's still going to have the, that top two receiving core. He's going to have his tight ends, the whole host of running backs he got to lean on, and the offensive line, which, as Taylor said, the most important position, offensive line. And uh, it's a bunch of good guys there. I guess uh, the other thing that I would mention, and this wasn't something that came up media day, and it's not even something that matters as much as the on-field stuff, but as we were doing more and more, like seeing the off-season content that the football team was putting out, I saw a lot more of Quad getting interviewed, showing up and getting asked questions. You know, if I saw more of a presence, and it feels like he is starting to get a leadership role on this team like you would want your quarterback to do. And he wasn't one of the representatives just because media day is really one of those things where you take your upperclassmen to is a nice thing to give to them. And that it's, it, it feels like most years it's senior showing up is that kind of thing. But I think that that's an understated thing that also has been happening is you've been seeing more and more of that. And uh, I, you know, saying all of this, it, it's a weird place to be in that, there's other options at quarterback and it it doesn't really feel like there's going to be much of a competition. And that's not to say anything about the other guys on the roster, because I think that they all could play quarterback. If push came to shove, I don't think there'd be any of the three that are on scholarship that we would be, Oh, I'm worried about this. Like, but it just feels like quad has taken that step and it could be the thing we, we talked about Georgia state needing to put together the multiple seasons and that sometimes having a guy graduate takes away from that, but that's not going to be a thing anymore. And it feels like guy is going to take the reins as a sophomore after an, a promising freshman year and should have two more years after that. I mean, exciting stuff. So I'm going to start this next section by lo- lobbing an incredibly spicy lob here to David to break down this controversial coaching hire. Tell me more, David. Oh God, we are, we are out here with these uh, qualifiers. David A. Uh, Smith, I need your take <laughs> on the most controversial coaching hire in Georgia State history. Oh, goodness. Well, Georgia State hired a safeties coach. It happened, finally. Um, Darius Eubanks is coming over by way of Western Carolina. Um, but the controversy that Taylor is referring to is he is a graduate of that school down south. Um, you know, so there's some weird coaching marriages and all that goodness in there. Um, let's see. He was on Sanford's staff from 2018 to 2021 as the safeties coach and then the defensive backs coach. Um, and then the the uh, assistant special teams coordinator. Um, so that's definitely going to be something that Coach Elliott probably uses him um, in a similar role. Um, but, you know, that obviously would be very important for Georgia State. Um, you know, it's, it's every time I feel like coach Elliot has definitely earned the benefit of the doubt with all of these coaching hires that have been made the last couple of years. I mean, despite the results not being there at certain times, I feel like we've definitely seen a huge improvement, um, on both sides of the ball at various positions. And I think part of that is talent. Absolutely. But I also think in just seeing the games and seeing, you know, the sideline views, it's absolutely the coaches, you know, there's, we just watched an NBA finals where there was a really nice coaching moment in there. And, you know, we are not on the sidelines every single week, but you absolutely can extract so much more out of guys by having a good, uh, you know, personal voice in their ear. So 
you know, welcome to Coach Eubanks, and hopefully he can absolutely make a difference in that secondary for Georgia State. I just want to say, addressing the, the controversy, uh, it isn't one. <laughs> He's a football yeah, coach. Yeah, that wasn't clear. It was totally going, a joke. I, I just was making it clear. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think it is funny that there's a Georgia Southern alum on the staff. There's and somebody out. On it would have been an interesting parlay to make a couple years ago to be like, who would have been the first to hire one or the other right. side? Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, yeah, it's interesting because C- coach Collins was one of the original coaches on the staff and was the recruiting coordinator on the staff in the last couple of years. So obviously with losing a guy who's been around like that, it could be a potential loss, but they brought in a young, energetic coach. And I think anyone who's going to get signed up right now to get at, at least two, three years of coaching Antavius Lane, I mean, really easy sell there. <laughs> Another Georgia State coaching news, cornerbacks uh, coach Corey Peoples has added the title of defensive passing game coordinator. Josh Stepp has replaced the outgoing Chris Collins as recruiting coordinator and Former quarterback Dan Ellington, his title has been changed from offensive assistant to running backs coach. So congratulations to those guys on taking, stepping up, taking a little bit bigger responsibility within the staff. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything new about Dan because he was already coaching with the running backs last year. I think it just maybe I know that he was his first year and that they went with just a nebulous offensive assistant just to not maybe overwhelm his plate. But excited for him adding that title officially continuing his growth i mean aside from him being an alum it just feels like it could be a really fun story that you know 10 years down the line he got a job basically right out of school with the school he played for and already you know in his mid-20s getting to coach running backs at a fbs school really exciting stuff for him glad it is with us for as long as that will be the case and uh looking forward to see what the running backs do in 2021 so let's move into a little bit of basketball discussion real quick here. The Sunbelt conference schedules for both men and women have dropped. Um, pretty much the same stuff we've been used to the past couple of years with the uh, notable change, especially this year of rivalry week games with Georgia Southern are now actually the same week. Back to back Thursday and Saturday. Well, back to back as much as that is back to back versus previous years where that had been spread out. Uh, Panthers will open conference play, the men at least uh, at Arkansas State on December the 30th, and then alternate home and away in the same way that we've been used to. And then, of course, Georgia Southern happening in the end of, well, middle end of February, the 17th and the 19th, respectively, and then closing with a homestand against Louisiana Monroe and Louisiana on the 24th and the 26th of February before going to the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Uh, Gentlemen, do we have any thoughts about basketball scheduling? I mean, we knew that it was going to be back to normal, quote-unquote, and wasn't going to be set up like they had to set it up in the pandemic season, but... Definitely glad that the back-to-back days games thing is gone. <laughs> um, it was so dumb. <laughs> I, I get it, but it was dumb. I, it is interesting, though, that you do have the rivalry in the same week. And so just for that one team, you're going to kind of have the similar kind of feel where it's going to be the same team twice in a week. And so maybe in a weird way, playing the season last year will have prepared the team for that. Um, obviously, the actual teams who... Georgia State will be playing. We knew it's not like there's a lot to discuss in that front. It's the Sun Belt Conference. 
we know these guys. Um, definitely interested, though, that that rivalry weekend is so late in the year. I don't know how Georgia Southern is going to be, but, you know, it could be a situation where you're playing a team that you can pad some numbers against as you're trying to win the conference or, you know, it feels like Georgia Southern, Georgia State always end up playing meaningful games when they're playing that late in the year. And so it's definitely going to be that's, you know, the last the second to last series. And so could have some implications for Georgia State. And yeah, I'm We've talked about football. We're excited about football. Uh, easy to forget. Basketball is still a lot to be excited about. Young guys coming into the program. Got the seniors coming back. Got a team that's going to have some real unfinished business mentality going on. So definitely also excited about that and excited for little breadcrumbs of non-conference games we continue to get as those come through. Maybe they're going to go to Michigan again, David, and actually play the game this time. So real quick, before we move on, I did want to note that uh, the men and the women both released their schedules. But if you take a look at the women's, they're formatted a lot differently from how the men's are, you know, like the, uh, the whole series, series, series thing. The women are not playing Georgia Southern in back to back games. They're uh, hosting Southern on January 22nd, which is a Saturday, but they don't play the Eagles again until February 5th, which, you know, is only like a week and a half. But uh, they've got the women have a five game homestand in January. Thursday the 13th, Saturday the 15th, and then, of course, aforementioned Southern game on Saturday the 22nd, Thursday the 27th, and then Saturday the 29th. So if you want to catch the women playing five games in a row and not even have to leave Atlanta, that's your time to go. And they, they certainly had a tremendous amount of energy surrounding the team and a couple new coaching hires as well. But, yeah, there's a, a, lot, of, a lot of interesting differences here. Of course, they closed the season with four consecutive road games to kind of offset that homestand there. But uh, yeah, lots of, lots of interesting stuff. I just thought that was an interesting uh, deviation from men to women. That was like, all right, well that's weird. I can tell you right now that homestand is going to be the most important part of the women's schedule and it's not even going to be close. Oh, absolutely. They, they could lose every game beforehand and it won't matter. They probably won't lose every game beforehand, but that home stretch is going to be incredibly important. So, you know, good luck to the women as well. Also just worth noting weird Sunbelt scheduling stuff is I know that there was a time where they were actually paired where the teams would come at the same time. And then they switched to a certain point a couple of years ago and started, it was paired, but it was reversed. So like if Georgia state was playing app state on the road, the men, the women would be hosting App State. And I always thought that that was really like if you were going to pair it, why are you like reversing the schedule and not letting them travel at the same time? And so I'm honestly good with them just deciding to not even try and like do the same thing and just having it, you know, the, the men seem like they're traveling in some kind of travel pods and doing the every other. And the women's schedule looks like it's more just like a football schedules design where it's kind of like how the games happen is how they happen. And sometimes you get five home games in a row. So. I honestly prefer that more, but I just thought it's nice to see that they're at least not doing pairing, but not pairing, because why would you just have them be reversed for just no reason when if you're going to have them paired, just have them travel together? 
So, uh, gentlemen, the time has arrived. Uh, it is time for the inevitable heat death of the college football universe. And that, of course, is conference realignment. So uh, in case you have quite literally not looked at any social media for the past week, Texas and Oklahoma made it official, official, short of actually, you know, leaving the Big 12. They've, they've more or less said it's happening. We're going to join the SEC and we're going to see what happens on the way there. So that, of course, would put the big 12 down to i don't know eight members and there's other rumblings as well and then the sec would be up to 16 and some people are saying oh well maybe the sec is going to make a super conference we don't know anything else at this point beyond the fact that texas and oklahoma are saying sayonara to the big 12 and looking to court with the big boys in the sec and potentially make some huge disruptions there. But where this comes relevant to Georgia State is there's also rumors of teams in the American Athletic Conference possibly courting a transfer over to the Big 12 or other movements as uh, events warrant. And then that, of course, begs the question, what's going to happen to the Sun Belt? So, gentlemen, I know we've talked a little bit about this off air, but I'm very curious for your opinions about what might happen that could involve Georgia State here. Oh, I mean, first, I just want to say. I've had some time to think about the whole thing, and it just seems so silly. Texas and Oklahoma joined the SEC like it just ridiculous. And it just I mean, obviously, money is a big factor and keep people getting excited about, you know, oh, Oklahoma and Texas are going to play Bama, Georgia every year. And it just, you know, if we're doing the super conference thing, one, it's definitely not a good thing for the G5. It definitely is a consolidation of stuff that will not trickle down to being good things for the Georgia states of the world. But it also just. I like all the different conferences and it felt like it was pretty well balanced, assuming some teams in like the Pac-12 could figure stuff out and ever make the playoff again or if anyone could like it felt like it was kind of the right mix of people in each conference and obviously realignment happens every few years it seems but didn't need like a massive player to move it felt like everything was bright in the universe and i don't know what the this looks like after all the dust settles and now the big 12 is accusing the espn of colluding with the american to get people into the conference and i don't know what the hell that's about but it just seems like the claws are really coming out and so we'll see what all this looks like but there's not a fan and you know congrats we're gonna get texas playing georgia every year and sec is leaving cbs at some point right anyway so we're not even gonna get the cbs theme out of it i yeah i you mentioned the g5 but i would argue this is even worse for the power five um you know we we spent what a weekend or a week in august talking about the super league in europe and you know that got destroyed sort of since technically some of those teams are still in it but um, you know we crapped all over those teams and those leagues and clubs who wanted to branch away and create their own league to make money Um, and you know I'm not in the business of telling people how to run their business and you know obviously we like that you know TV contracts allow us to watch the sports that we love Um, but I don't know. This one, this one just kind of seems a little ham-fisted, in my humble opinion. Um, you know, we're, it's not like we're talking about the SEC realigning in certain ways. You know, I 
may or may not be joking with you guys when I talk about uh, relegation in college sports. Um, you know, so it would be it'd be one thing if we were talking about, you know, oh, Texas is going to go be in the highest league in college football or something. And, you know, uh, Vanderbilt is going to come down or, you know, whoever you want to crap on in the at the bottom of the SEC any given day. Um, but it's just it, it, there's something about those regional rivalries. You know, I'm sure Texas and Georgia have some history. You know, I know I believe they played in the. What was that? 2019 Cotton Bowl? Something, you know, that was one of the New York Six Bowls, something like that. Um, But, you know, Texas and Georgia, they're not going to be playing every year. And that's that's kind of how it should be. You know, that's it's it's not to say that those programs, you know, if they want to schedule a couple series here and there, they you know, they should do that. They should or shouldn't do that. But I don't know. It just kind of loses a little bit of its luster if you have them playing every year. You know, that's kind of the whole point of those bigger schools, um, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not one to necessarily care about tradition. I, I didn't get into college football until I actually went to college. Um, so I, you know, I, I just don't have that same level of, I guess, care that other people have. Um, but if you're just realigning every so often just to follow the money, I don't know, that just kind of takes a little bit of the fun out of the sport and just kind of makes it more. So it's just like, oh, you know, this is completely a business. And as a big football fan, I have the NFL for that. You know, I don't need to. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't recognize that there is money in college sports. I'm not dumb or naive. Um but yeah, I just, you know, when I want to be really sad about the business of sports, I just go look at the professional leagues. That's, you know, so. So it's interesting you brought up the money angle of it, David, because as we all know, the name, image and likeness stuff that has just come into effect at the beginning of July, I think is going to play a huge role in this conference realignment stuff because you have schools that have money are going to want more money, right? And the schools that don't have money are not going to be able to compete. So if you're a Texas or an Oklahoma and you want to say, hey, come to my school and you can get SEC endorsement money and you're going to get better athletes for it, then why wouldn't you do that? But if you're a smaller school and you're like, say, for example, in the Sun Belt, which, by the way, is no longer the bottom feeder conference. A lot of people thought it was. We'll get to that in a little bit. But how are you going to recruit against a Super League SEC when you have people going there getting seven figure endorsement deals? No, granted, not everyone's going to have that. But it's, it's another thing to consider this consolidation of power and financial critical mass, I think, is really going to end up hurting a lot of the smaller schools. That's actually that's actually an interesting point. Um, I cannot claim this thought as my own original thought. Um, but back when, you know, NIL was a daily conversation topic, someone um, here in Chicago radio made the point that you might actually see some level of parity um, in that guys who are, you know, who would otherwise be backups at like bigger schools, um, you know, they're the third string quarterback or the, you know, fourth or fifth option on the defensive line. They'll probably stay closer to home and go to a smaller school with that talent that they have because, you know, they want to get eyeballs on them. You know, they want to be able to, you know, make money for themselves. And, you know, sure, there's going to be a small dealership around there that can throw money at them in a way that they would get, you know, financially compensated more than just, hey, I'm the backups to the backups 
on Alabama. You know, I can't say necessarily that that's true or, you know, I can't speak to the motivations of, you know, these athletes and, you know, nobody knows, nobody knows what's going to happen with this, but I thought that was an interesting point um, to bring up. Well, and then also Clemson's going to need a coach because Dabo said he was going to stop coaching when they started professionalizing the game. And so moment of silence for him uh, not being a coach anymore. Uh, that joke is I, I guess what I would t- to tie it back to Georgia State. Um, I don't think that the Sunbelt Conference USA realignment that Conference USA desperately, desperately wants <laughs> is going to happen. No. But I, I think that uh, I think that it's the timeline of this will be interesting for Georgia State because if this move does happen and if the Big 12 does get some AAC schools, I think that there's a chance that Georgia State is one of the schools that the American would want to try and get. I mean, we had a piece about that was that 2019 talking about all that. But the timeline is going to be important because it's going to have to be after there's the new basketball arena open and baseball. I just don't see the move happening before those are actually built and in place rather than, Oh no, those are coming just because that's how it works that they're going to want that baseball stadium to be hosting games. They're going to want that arena to be open. And so that if it starts getting rushed together, it's a little different. If it goes until I think 2023 is the 2022 is the year I saw. I think technically right now it can not only happen in 2025, but I think Texas and Oklahoma are trying to skirt that. If we're talking the later of the timelines, I think that's better for Georgia State than if this is something that starts the, the wheels start going in motion like next season or what have you. So here's a potentially controversial take that I, I would like your opinions on. If this happens, say say even say the Big 12 implodes and just stops being a conference and Iowa State and Iowa are reunited in the Big 10 and Kansas goes some crazy thing like the Mountain West absorbs a bunch of people. What if com- or Conference USA obviously at this point is arguably lower than just about every other uh, G5 conference in terms of performance the past couple of years. You you could maybe make an argument for the uh, the Mac being down there as well. But would the Sun Belt become such a bad place to stay in? I don't think it will because if the Big 12 implodes, you have the American might become a destination for a couple of those teams. Maybe, hear me out. But would leaving the Sun Belt to join a fractured American without a Cincinnati, without a UCF, without a Houston, would that be a better move than just staying in the Sun Belt and maybe picking up like a Marshall or a uh, even a UAB or somebody and staying in that Sun Belt instead of leaving for somewhere else? No. Moving to the American is better. If for no other reason that people think the American is better than the Sun Belt. And... I don't think that you can just say, well, yeah, but those teams left to make people, you know, their opinion change or anything like I think that it is already the book is out that people think the American is better than the Sun Belt. There's more money that goes into there. It's perceived in football and in basketball and correctly so as a better league. And so while you have an interesting point there that a couple of those teams that make it good might be gone. I still don't know that it's really going to be that much of a you know, competition and the other reason why we've always talked about the American in Georgia State is that there's pair peer institutions, the, the key word. And that would still be the case. Even if Cincinnati's gone, you've still got other ones. I don't think that all of the potential like minded peer institutions would be gone. And that is still 
part of the reason why there's been so much of an allure about the American for Georgia State anyway. And, you know, I, I agree with everything that Brady said. Um, and one thing I will say is that's probably the worst case scenario in all of this, if I'm being honest. If the American teams get poached, uh, or sorry, if the Big 12 just kind of implodes, um, I don't know. There are so many permutations and just different things that can happen. It's hard to definitively say, you know, this, this, and this is likely, or, you know, what you know what we think will happen um but how funny is that all of this is happening and georgia state is you know kind of putting themselves in a good position to move anyways you know what if we were uh five years ago and you know they were still in the georgia dome or you know there was no land purchase that happened or anything like that and you know they were still kind of just shoehorning their way around different places in Atlanta and still, you know, playing in the sports arena with no plans for a new arena. I mean, that would be, you know, yikes. <laughs> Gave me an excuse to mention just as a you know, final side for me is that I don't I work from home right now. I don't drive, but I'm feeling like I want to carve out a reason to I have to drive to the area of the stadium because I keep seeing the new arena progress and keep getting more and more excited. Like that basketball arena is really coming together and it just getting me more and more excited for when that's open and when we're playing basketball in a brand new arena that is Georgia State's own. Just wanted to mention that again, in case anyone from the American is listening, new arena. So that's about going to do it for this week's episode of the Thursday Night Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Before we get you out of here, we do want to remind you that we will have a little bit of football position preview pieces coming out in the beginning of August uh, next week. So be on the lookout for that, as well as the rest of our content ramping back up as we approach football season. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Thursday Night Podcast is a production of ThursdayNight.com, the independent source of choice for all things Georgia State sports. This podcast and all included sounds are exclusive property of and copyright 2019 Jordan Crawford Enterprises, LLC, on behalf of ThursdayNight.com, unless otherwise specified. The podcast is produced by Programming Director Brady Weiler and Technical Director Jordan Crawford, with assistance from co-hosts Taylor Dynan and David Salmon. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, as well as podcast aggregators like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcast. To submit questions and comments, or to request information on on advertising and corporate partnerships, contact the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Thursday Night or via email at thursdaynight at gmail.com. 